If you have your Bibles, you can make your way to James chapter 1. Again, um, my name is Kyle Black. If I don't know you, I'm the pastor here at Watershed. We just want to thank you for worshiping with us. I mean, we realize that it's a choice to, to, to get up in the morning. It's a choice to come inside on a beautiful morning when we're actually finding cool fall weather. But uh, we thank you for worshiping with us. We're grateful, and we just pray that, that we can minister to you and alongside you worship. And um, we've, we're going through this series, Faith Works. This, this book of James, this letter to James, these writing to these Jewish Christians that are dispersed because of persecution and hardship and, and things really that we don't imagine. Like we, we, we're comfortable in who we are as, as Christians in this country, which is grateful and we're thankful for that, but, but we don't understand the hardships that they were having. And so when we realize that, that the, the Roman Empire completely oppressed these people, the Greeks had already come in and changed their culture, and you see that happening. And then when you look at James then that's writing to these people that are dispersed and telling them how they're still supposed to live, we, it kind of amplifies the magnitude of that. It amplifies that. And so we want to look at his teaching to them and understand that, that the life that he's describing is a life in which faith is actually at work. That, that it's not just this theoretical or hypothetical life, but it's one where faith is actually working in life. That, that if you're going to live the life that James called us to live, your faith is going to be working. And, and one of that, one of the keys to that is this idea that keeps coming up in my mind of maturity. That as we read this first chapter, and as we're, we're, we'll read the, the last part of this first chapter today and get into that, we understand that maturity is kind of this theme that keeps happening. This, that we're supposed to mature in our faith, mature, mature just being fully grown. If we're going to be mature, it's fully grown, acknowledging that we won't fully mature until we're with Him in glory, but we're supposed to be maturing. We're supposed to be growing in who we are and acknowledging that, that the whole letter of James, in chapter 1, he deals with the person, and then the rest of the book, he deals with the relationships or the interactions between those people. So like, here's who you're supposed to be, now here's how that works out in all these different relationships. And today, we're, we're setting it up a little different than we normally do because these verses today that we'll be in are kind of the bridge between individual and, and relational. And, and we've seen this happening, but it still deals with this idea of maturity. So if you have your Bible open, um, if you will follow along, we're going to read from verse 19 all the way through the end of the chapter in verse 27. So in James chapter 1, verse 19, he says, Know this. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious but does not bridle his tongue, 
but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If you will, pray with me as we ask the Spirit to to guide us through this today. Father God, we thank you that, that you've given us your word that we can learn. God, we thank that you... We're thankful that you wrote it down for us. You inspire these men to write these letters and books so that we can learn your truth and be sustained by them. And that we might find security and comfort in your truth when truth is seemingly not, not found in life. God, we just pray that today your spirit would move in our hearts as only you can, that it would pierce us with surgical precision in ways that we would not imagine. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we, we, this idea of maturity, when you see this, this, this thing, it's, it's almost like James is just basically saying, just grow up, right? He's, he's going through this. He's saying, here's what's going to happen. Your faith's going to be tested. Count it joy, your faith, because you're focusing on who you are in Christ. And then all these things come out. And then you're going to, to have this point where we realize in verse 18, it's kind of the, the leading us into that. We didn't read it today, but it sets up today's passage because he says in verse 18, out of his own will, he brought, forth, brought us forth by the word of truth. He gives us new life by his will. And we focused a thought on that last week, that this idea that we didn't decide this new life, that God came to us. He called us out of darkness into light. He gives us this life by the word of truth. And so we're first fruits of his creatures. And then so we move then, proclaiming the gospel to those around us. And that's where we get into this idea today that as our faith works, our life is changed. Right? And that's what really society is trying to figure out right now. Is that, that how are you actually different when you seem the exact same as us? And, and some of that is valid and some of that's invalid. But... Today what we'll understand is that the first thing that have to, has to happen is we have to bring an external message to the internal. It has to be external to the internal. And what we see in that is we have to hear the word of the gospel. And that's what he says first. Know this. It's, it's kind of the same if you look, if you have a study Bible and you like looking up all the cross references, the main thing you'll find there is, is 1 John 2.21 where he says, know this, you know the truth. I'm writing you this letter because you know the truth, is what John says there. And so James is saying, know this. Like, there's no doubt in this. It's firm. You know this. This is what you need to know. What? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And so if we're going to be mature, the first thing we're going to have to see, and if our faith is working, the first thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to take an external message of the gospel and internalize it by hearing it. And we hear it by Shutting up, just to be bluntly, right? That's what he's saying. Slow to speak. Be slow to speak. And, and really, that's a sign of maturity. Only through maturity can you actually have the ability to stop talking and listen, right? You have to be confident and mature in who you are to, to realize that maybe I don't need to talk in certain situations. Like, have you ever known someone like that, that they constantly just talk? And it's like, you're just masking insecurities, right? That's what he's not saying. He's saying, just listen, Take this external message of the gospel, understand who you are, and don't worry about talking. Just tune yourself out and listen to the word. That's 
that's a, a sign of maturity and a sign of faith that happens nowhere else. That, that we need to just stop. I think of kids all the time. They, they just try to blurt out the answers, right? Because they think they know what question you're going to ask. And so you start asking something, and then they're like, they throw the answer. I don't know how many times I say it at school, uh, I'm teaching, like, how do you raise your, how, you already have your hand raised up, and I haven't even finished the question. Right? How do you even know what I'm going to ask? And sometimes I want to, uh, I switch it up in mid-question. I'm like, oh, he raised his hand, so now I'm going to ask a completely different question so that he won't think that he knows everything. But that's what we do to God, right? We think we have all of our life figured out, and so instead of hearing a message that we're nothing without him, we never stop to realize that that's the truth, that that's the reality. And James is saying here that if you're going in now in this transition in between an internal thing, this individualized message going into the relationships, he's saying, no, you have to take in this message first. That if we're going to relate to other people, we're going to have relationships to other people, it has to be true into our lives first. And to do that, we have to get out of our own way. We have to hear the word. We have to be hearers of that message be quick to hear, slow to speak, and then slow to anger. Because see, then what happens is if we're slow to speak and we, we finally get that, then if something doesn't go like we think it does, we just get frustrated, right? I think if you would look at the, the attitude of the Christian world in America right now, it's just anger. And it's anger because we've forgotten that our government and country is not our savior. And I don't say that as an unpatriotic person. I say it as realization that our government doesn't save us, Christ does. So we need to be slow to anger and hear the message that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens. Because we are sons and daughters of the living God. Now, should we seek to, to better our, ourselves in society and, and should vote certain ways and all that? You can work that out. Yes, you don't just throw everything out, but what we don't do is we don't get so frustrated in anger when the church is marginalized because we think that the church is somehow incapable of sustaining itself. Because we have to realize that, that we are saved by a message and we're told this gospel message that's been the only constant thing for the last 2,000 years of history. It hasn't changed. It's the same thing, that, that God sent his son to die for us because we were sinners. That message has been the same, and it changes the way it interacts within context, which is exactly what's happening to us now. We should actually be thankful that we get to live at a point in the U.S. church history to where we get to stand for our faith in a way that no one before us got to. That we truly get to live and say, this is what we believe, because we're hearing that message and we're internalizing it. We're understanding what it is so that we can stand firm. That way we don't have to worry about being angry when everything's crazy because we stand on the solid rock. And so we get this idea that if we're going to take this external message that internally, we have to get out of our own way. We have to get out of our own way and we have to come to this realization that our lives look different, not because of how we live it, because who changed our life? And that's what James says. We keep going. He says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So that sets up then how we listen to everything else. And in verse 20, he says, anger does not produce righteousness. Hey, now notice real fast, before we move on, notice he doesn't say that anger itself is evil. There is righteous anger. There's opportunities to be frustrated and angry at something. We just can't get to the point where that anger is replacing our Savior. Like, we can't get angry to the point to where we think we're going to accomplish something that he somehow can't. 
That's where it turns into this other one. That's why anger doesn't produce righteousness of God. Christ Jesus produces the righteousness of God in us. And so then what do we do? How do we live different? How do we live our lives? He says, therefore, what? Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That's how we live this life first. We take this external message of the gospel and we internalize it. And when we internalize it, we take it into our hearts and we understand it. We submit our lives to him. And that's what changes. That then enables us to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. That's what sets us apart in society. It doesn't mean that we withdraw from it. It just means that we're not stained by it because we understand who we're supposed to be in Christ. This putting away implies that we humble ourselves before him. If we're going to put those things away, realize that those are no longer good enough for me, I'm going to go to him. And it's a position of humble. It's a humbleness. It's humility that drives us to that. And through humility alone do we actually except that Jesus alone saves us. They're not the things around us. It, has, it takes a humility to understand that. Because when we understand that it's Christ the, the, that saves us alone, we realize that nothing we did paid the price that the law required. Nothing we did washed our sins clean. And so in humility, we have to realize who we actually are. And you see that happening over and over in James, and you'll see it the rest of the way, that we have to have a true understanding of who we are. And to do that, we have to be mature. You have to be growing up to understand that there's no room for arrogance because we don't have any. We're nothing. There's nothing about us to be arrogant about. We have nothing, but we've been given everything. It just takes a willingness to do that. And then once we lead into that, and we have this external message that's been brought into us, we understand through humility who Christ is. And when we understand who Christ is, then we're, we don't worry about other people, what they think about us. We don't worry about the message that people say that, that we live, that it's outdated or it doesn't apply to our culture. We don't worry about that. We're not ashamed of that because of who the message is rooted in. Charles Spurgeon once said, he said, Do not be ashamed of your faith. Remember that it's the ancient gospel of martyrs, confessors, reformers, and saints. Above all, it is the truth of God against which the gates of hell cannot prevail. And so we truly take that message in, this ancient gospel that's sustained martyrs and confessors and reformers, people that are willing to do everything for the gospel. Why do we fail to realize it's the same thing for us? It's the same message. And the, the reason we don't get that is we haven't got to this level of maturity that continually goes and goes and goes that we understand that we're nothing apart from Christ. And that doesn't mean that we don't continue to pray. I'm not saying that everyone's not at this level. We have varying levels of that. But the point is that we can't get to this point to where we think, I've arrived. Because as soon as we get to the point that we think we've arrived, we've completely forgot the gospel message. We've completely forgot that. And James describes this when he says, be hearers. Be quick to hear. Be quick to hear first. Take the external to the internal because that's going to change your life. And when that changes the internal thing, and then it switches around, and we see an internal goes back to the external. But we can't just go out into the world if we don't understand how it changes us first. And that's where he goes to next. If we keep looking, look at verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers only. 
So he takes that out. He says, no, you're, you're going to be quick to hear, but it doesn't stop there. Because it, we would do that, right? If I only have to hear, don't we, don't we do enough? We do just enough to get by, right? Maybe, maybe I'm unique in that. That's, that marked my educational career. I knew the standard. That's what I did, right? I always told Lindsay, Lindsay, if you know Lindsay, my wife, she's completely opposite in that. Like, she did everything, and I was like, I've got a degree, you've got a degree, way different GPA. That was fine with me, right? But that's what we do with our faith, right? We, we think, here's the level, I'm good. I understand the gospel, I'm good, I'm saved, not by, not by works, by faith alone, and understand that, and we hear that message, and then we stop. And that's why James is so practical, because he understands that, and then he takes it, okay, but you have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because if you are a hearer only, what are you doing? You're deceiving yourself. And so what he's saying there is that, okay, if you have this external message that's brought internally, you don't truly understand it until it goes back out. Because that's what the gospel message does. It sends us out. Christ sent us out. We're to go and make disciples, right? So how are we going to make disciples if we always leave it internally? We've arrived at this point. I understand the gospel. That's great. That's what James says. He said, don't be hearers only. Be doers of the word. Because if you're just a hearer only, it's like you don't even know what you look like. It's one of the, I love that, that example there because it's like, okay, how is that possible to forget what you look like, right? Do you ever think that? Do you read that? I read those two verses over and over. And like, if anyone's a hearer of the word, not a doer, it's like a man that looks intentionally, intently at his natural face in a mirror and goes away and forgets. Like, how's that possible, Right? But we do it all the time in our faith. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget the gospel. And we just keep living our lives as if nothing has changed. We've forgotten who we are in Christ. So we've seen ourselves because of this gospel message. We see that we're sinners. We've read Ephesians. It says you're dead in your trespasses and sin, yet made alive in Christ Jesus. And when we see that, we don't take it to our lives. And so it's like we've forgotten everything. It's not good enough to know who you are because if you know who you are, then it's going to be sent out because it's a message that everyone needs. It's the one true constant hope. That's why, it's, that's why I like that quote from Spurgeon. It's an ancient gospel. Just because it's old doesn't make it worthless. It sustained everything. Look at the, the last 2,000 years of world history. The one constant is the gospel. And people have fought over it and argued over it and killed over it in the wrong way at times. I have to be honest about that. The church missed a lot of that. But the one constant in that message is that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So we have to understand. But to do that, we have to know the word, right? We can't just be hearers only. We can't just learn or listen to the message, we have to learn the word of the truth. So it's, it's simple, really. That's, it's kind of hard, if I'm honest, it's hard to preach James. I'm finding it harder because it's all application, right? I could just say read it and do it. But what we need to understand about this is that if we're not going to set the time to actually learn the words of God, then it's never going to go out from us. It's never going to go out from us. I heard a, a youth speaker one time was talking about how if you think about it, that everything that comes out of your mouth is what goes before you. 
right? And so what you're putting in is what eventually is going to come out. And he used a youth, it was a youth thing, so he got all graphic about throwing up, and youth were like, oh, that's gross, but it's, it's true, right? It's like everything that comes out is what you're going to be walking through. So what is your life going to be marked with? What's coming out of you? Is it the Word of God, or is it yourself? That's when you get verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in all his doing. Not blessed because of the doing, but blessed because of the faith that leads to the doing. Because if you truly understand the message and you take that internally and then it goes to the external, you realize that we're learning the word of God so that it then can go out from us. It can go out from us. And that, that reveals a level of maturity in us. If we're going to devote time to study His Word, and that doesn't have to be a set Bible study. You should wake up and read the Word during the day by yourself. And soak it in. Be a hearer learning that message so that it then can go out from you. The internal has to move into the external if we're going to be true to our faith. Because learning's everything, isn't it? I mean, really, learning's everything. You've got to learn, and once you know something, you know it, right? I always take that, an example, with Lindsay, and I didn't ask her if I could tell the story, so we'll just go with it. But she, she knows how to ride a unicycle, right? If y'all didn't know that, she can ride a unicycle. Crazy cool. It's the hardest thing I've ever tried to do in my life. I've fallen, uh, my record's like 20 foot. Right, and she can just go wherever she wants to. But when I first, when we were dating, and she said that you can ride a unicycle, I'm like, yeah, right. Do you, I don't actually know anyone that does. Right, and so, and she's like, well, I haven't done it in so long. And what she did, she just got on it. and just went, because she learned. And that's kind of her thing, that when people tell her, oh, I used to know how to ride a, you know, ride, ride a unicycle, she's like, no, you didn't. Because you don't forget that, right? You don't, you don't forget those things. So what you learn, you don't forget. So why not learn the word of truth so that we continually build on that so that our lives are marked by increasing levels of maturity, understanding that message is going out from us. It just happens. If we're going to learn it, then it's going to go out. Once you've done something, you understand how to do it again. But the next time you get a little better at it, you get a little more efficient at your time. So we should do that too. We should take that external message, internalize it, but then also realize that that message then goes back to the external. It's not just continually staying in us. We don't find these things to hold captive. We expose them. We bring light to it and say, here's what I've found. Well, how'd you find it? Because God wrote it down for us. He gave us the truth so that we can live our lives in, in that. And that's simply what we do. That's what we see with James. You'll have to go back for me. Sorry. I hit it twice. Is that you just simply, oh wait, I tricked myself, sorry, the remote doesn't match the slide. You just simply live your life, right? That's what James says. Look at verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion's worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is that visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You just simply live a normal Christian life, right? That's how it goes. It's fueled by the gospel message coming into us first, 
taking that to heart, understanding who we are in relationship to who God is, and then we learn the word of truth, we devote ourselves to studying it and understanding it so that it applies in more situations. It's taking externally, and it takes externally through just living our life. You don't have to do anything different. That's the, that's the amazing plan that God said. He just said, live your life as followers of me. Don't just be here, be do whatever you do. In whatever sphere of influence you have, live a normal Christian life, and that's going to speak the gospel far more than trying to just go scream at people. Right? Because why are you different? Why don't you get frustrated when this happens? Because I understand who I am. I understand that I don't need success and fame in this because I have everything in Christ. The gospel then happens. It just is spoken. And we see here in these last two verses that we're dealing with today, basically he's talking about worship. He's talking about worship. Here's worship. And we can understand verse 27 a little. There's really two ways. Is Is he being literal? We can take it literal. Okay, literally, we're supposed to, if we're going to worship, which is the object of the church, we're to worship God, proclaim His excellencies, worship Him, then if we take it literal, yes, we visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and you keep yourself unstained from the world. But you can also take that in a broader picture and say that we provide for those that can't provide for themselves. It's, it's, a, it's a both and. That, that if we're going to understand it, you see what happens if you look at the first context, we have to realize we're not the, James didn't write this to us. He's writing to Jewish Christians. They're coming out of this religion that was very much ceremonial, very much liturgical. Everything had into a, a certain way, and now he's saying, they're saying, wait, that's gone? We don't have that anymore? Say, no, it's not gone. This is what it looks like. There's still things to do in worship. There's still things to do in that, and he says, here it is. It's visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep yourself unstained. There's things that you still do. And so they were able to then understand, okay, I know how to worship, and it's the same thing for us. We know how then to worship. We know what our religion should look like. We understand that. So then the question is, are you doing these things? Right? Are you keeping a bridle on your tongue. Because if you're not, you're deceiving yourself. And as such, and, and you can think about it. Verse 20, I love, it's all practical. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I kind of have to assume that's because no one's going to listen to you when you just never shut up. Right? That's the people we call toppers, right? They ever, you can't ever tell a story because they have something better. So saying, your religion's worth because people aren't going to listen to you. It's nothing. But then if you look at the contrast in verse 27, this is someone that's going to be speaking what they're doing, but they're going to be speaking what they're doing through their life and with their words. It's not actions only. We have to say why we're doing something that we're doing. So do you care for people? I mean, do you actually care for people? That's why we want to, as a church, take care of the families when there's spouses that are deployed. We want to be people that actually do the word. We want to take care of those who need assistance. We want to be purposeful in that. We want to take care of the family as well as the soldier. We want to send things. We want to be there for support. Why? Because we're family here. And that's what we do. 
Maybe it's to, to take in someone that has need. And that's, that's a hard thing. I, I admit, that's hard. But think about it. If someone approached us as a church and said, I gotta, I gotta move out, something happened with my house, can you find a place? Would you let someone? Think about it. A couple weeks. Would you let someone come in? Because if you don't, you're deceiving yourself. You don't even understand it. And we don't like to think that way because it's a little uncomfortable. But we can't get any more uncomfortable or sacrifice our comfort any more than what Christ has already done for us. He gave up comfort. He suffered. So why are we so hesitant to do it for others? Bob Thune talks about that in his so a small group study called Gospel Centered Life. He says, but when we embrace the gospel perspective of our own sin, we recognize that the sin debt God has forgiven on our behalf is greater than any sin that has been committed against us. And that's the gospel perspective that James is talking about here. That if your religion is going to be something, you're going to realize that, that what's been forgiven for you is far beyond anything that anyone could ever do to you. So you simply do that. We see what worship is supposed to be. True worship. We keep ourselves unstained from the world. And that might mean we have to give some things up. You might have to not watch some TV shows or some movies. Why? Because they're pointing to something different that we are not supposed to be a part of. That doesn't mean we go boycott everything. Because that's what we try to do. We try to boycott everything. The Starbucks things lately. Everyone boycotts Starbucks because they're CEO. They give us our coffee free. So we're going to boycott them and start paying for coffee? We have to understand what happens in life and understand that. We can't just boycott everything, but we need to pick and choose. There might be times when, that has, when that's necessary. But it has to be through a relationship understanding that. It can't be just society at large. I've never even been to Seattle. So actually, I'd be so offended by something that happens there when I realize that I'm not even in a Christian culture anyway, so it shouldn't shock us when people act that way, right? We're supposed to keep ourselves unstained, but that's a reality that we need to understand. Bridle our tongue. Be aware of what's coming out of your mouth. Care for those who are in need. So if we are marked by that as a church, people will see that, and people will wonder what in the world is happening. That's when we become the best evangelists because we say, this is why I live my life. So think about that. Just in closing, real quick, you don't have to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to vision something for me. Don't worry. We're, just, we're not, we're not going to pray right now. I just want you to envision something. I want to take away the visual stimulus that, that you have. So picture this. This is what James says that worship is. That we, we shut our mouths and listen to the gospel message alone. That the only thing that, that comes in is the message of the gospel. But that's not enough because it also then reveals that we need to devote time to studying the gospel message. So we hear the gospel message, but we study the gospel truth that is the word of God. That's what worship is. And then finally, we take that knowledge and understanding and we make it into a gospel ministry. So we truly see who people are. 
Just think about what that would look like in your life to do those three things. To, to listen to the gospel message, study and devote yourself to understanding gospel truth, and then practicing a gospel ministry in your life. When you picture that, the only question that's, that's left is, what would happen in our community, in our lives, in our places of employment, in our relationships? What would happen if we actually listened, learned, and looked after others? Because when we do that and answer that question with proclaiming the gospel, we're living our lives as we're called to live. Let's pray.